welcome to our first podcast with Adeline and Amanda in Eschampur Newsstand from Eschampur Productions. Uh, before we start, uh, I'm going to put a disclaimer that we're not professional filmmakers and we're not film students. We're both film lovers who happen to make films. And also before anything, before going forward with this podcast, we'd just like to say that this review contains spoilers. So please stop listening if you don't want that. For our very first episode, we're going to start off with a breakdown of The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, it's a series that you can watch on Netflix, and it's created by uh, Mike Flanagan. And yeah, so let's go ahead to our first segment. The look. So um, we're going to discuss a bit about the look of the film and the whole visual aesthetic because we just don't want to get into like too deep into the cinematography or technical aspects because we're not, like we said, we're not professional filmmakers. Exactly. And we don't know those technical terms. So bear with <laughs> us if we, if we mess up on like dolly shots or whatever it is. Again, we're just film enthusiasts. We just want to talk about our opinions on how the series looks like. So yeah, um, first of all, the setting is in the 1980s to 1990s, right? Mm-hmm. And so basically the costume and the whole decor is uh, to support that period of time. Mm-hmm. Which so, I definitely love, by the way. Danny's costumes, immaculate. And Jamie's, oh my god. like Jamie? Those overalls, amazing. Oh it's so cottagecore lesbian. But, yeah. <laughs> I gotta give it off to like the costume department because, oh my god, they really did an amazing job. They the did. very first time Danny appeared on screen with that, you know, shoulder with those shoulder pads on her suit, mm-hmm. amazing. Just immediately '80s vibes, and also like um, the fact that they didn't like they didn't, you know. Uh, back down from giving Jamie the the chain, like the chain necklace. Mm-hmm. That was like, such an eighties thing, and you know? it was also it, it's also like such a gay thing. <laughs> like just saying, like being on like social media, being on TikTok or whatever, like seeing all these gays, like having that signature look. Mm-hmm. The very just first time, just the very first time Danny and Jamie appeared on screen, the first thought that came to my head was gay. but you know what like they also did a really good job with like owen's costume i love his look it's Mm -hmm. very um it's very nice very clean but also like on the bottom he's like wearing jeans Mm -hmm. and like sneakers Mm -hmm. which is such an 80s look and we also talk about hannah oh my god God, hannah's fashion sense loved it it's so elegant Mm -hmm. amazing and okay i'm gonna talk a bit about the uh, vintage look on this like light bleeding kind of like the thing that they're doing with like their lights and it's it's all such soft look and it's usually you know like it's due to like using film or like this or vintage lenses mm-hmm. and I kind of like how it kind of fits with the whole aesthetic and mm-hmm. soft look and I honestly can't get enough of it like it's everywhere like especially along like in the house mm-hmm. with like the small lights that are like put like throughout the hallway you know mm-hmm. Again, this is something more of Amanda's expertise. I don't think I can say much about, you know, the technical aspects of how the creators of The Haunting of Blind Manor, like, what they use to create a particular look. 
I just know that it looks pretty. But you know, when Manda's talking about vintage lens and all that, it's really more of Amanda's area of expertise. Well, it's because it's because I do work with a lot of lenses. Because um, I I am a photographer. Mm -hmm. Like I do go to school for photography, so I know a bit about it. But like I wouldn't say I get I would get in depth with it. Because then again, I'm not like a film student. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're outside, but it's fine because it's a it's a nice day out. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to be it inside. Is. Totally. Um, then also, I kind of want to talk a bit about what James um, Neist said. Like, I I don't know if that's how you really pronounce his name, but um, he's like one of the cinematographers for The Haunting of Bly Manor, mm -hmm. and he basically um, when in the flashback scenes, usually like. He said, like, cinematographers would use different lenses mm -hmm. to create a different look so that it would kind of distinguish between, um, like, put in contrast between what's in real life and what's flashback. Mm -hmm. But he, uh, they opt to just use the same lens or not, not create a different look mm -hmm. just because they wanted the same feel. Mm -hmm. And also, like, um, he tried his best to kind of, like, have The Haunting of Hell House mm -hmm. as the roadmap to, like, Cinem like doing the cinematography for Haunting of Bly Manor because mm -hmm. they didn't want they didn't want it to have a different feel really because um, for those of you who have watched both The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor I've watched both of them and to be completely honest I got a completely different feel like for Hill House and Bly Manor I haven't watched Hell House. I mean, I haven't finished it yet, mm -hmm. but like from what I know is that like they tried their best. I mean, every cinematographer would always have their own signature stamp on it. Mm -hmm. So of course it would be different. Mm -hmm. Like even like throughout the episodes, um, Jaden Sneeze only did like from episode six onwards, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So they would, there would definitely be difference in it, but I wouldn't say, I think they tried their best to keep it keep some similarity with Haunting of Hill House. Look-wise? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But not, like, really, like, just a copy-paste of, like, the Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I realized that Blind Manor had a lot of brighter colors compared to Hill House, which is something I really liked right, right off the bat from the very first episode. I'm a person who really likes looking at a lot of colors, in movies because it, attra it attracts my attention. And I saw that in Blind Manor after like feeling really good about Hill House. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is really nice. It's, it's a really nice change from Mike Flanagan, you know? Do you think like it feels that Haunting of Hill House is much more depressing? It probably is. The way it looks is much more depressing because all the scenes are, the scenes are darker. Um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the scenes are set in nighttime or when it's raining. And with Blind Manor, you've got a lot of daytime scenes where kids, like kids, are playing around. You know, the manor, the manor in general, just has a, just has a happier feel compared to Hill House. And maybe the reason why that is, is because with Hill House, the ghosts are basically a representation of um, 
family trauma and mental illness. While with Bly Manor, it has a more supernatural aspect to it. I did not see a lot of, um, a lot of symbolism, mm -hmm. you know, with how the ghosts are portrayed. It's like at the end of the day, you see, like in the very first episode, in the, the uh, in, in Bly, Bly Manor, you know, in the first episode where you see the uh, plague doctor. At first, you're like, oh wow, this is really interesting. Like, what's up with the plague doctor? Yeah, and kinda, then you I finish the yeah. get more in depth with that. Yeah, and then with you've, other ghosts mm -hmm. that are not just the main characters. And then you finish the series, and it turns out all these ghosts inside the manor are just there because they happen to, you know, be unlucky. <laughs> There's no deeper meaning to it. It's just the fact that sometimes people are unlucky and then they just get stuck and, you know, die in blind manner. <laughs> there is no, there's not much symbolism there we'll when probably, you compare it to Hill House. We'll probably get more into it in, mm -hmm. by the end of the like segment, yeah, like, the end of the third segment for the ending, because that is also sometimes like some parts that I want to talk about, like Miles and Flora. Mm -hmm. um, one thing before we, fin uh, before we finish the look segment that I want to talk about is there was this one scene, either in the first or second episode, that really caught my eye. Because after watching Hill House, I really, really trained myself to like pay attention to the screen when I was watching mm -hmm. Bly Manor. Because in Hill House, you've got ghosts oh, right. lingering like, all yeah, around in the, in the background. Yeah, hidden in the background, right? There's actually one of them like, I think outside or something. So I didn't notice it because it was really blurred in mm -hmm. the background. But like, yeah, like I saw some photos of it and it was like pretty cool. Yeah. And the way, I don't know, after experiencing Hill House, I just assumed that Mike Flanagan and his group of um, cinematographers would probably be playing around with um, a, similar, a similar theme. I guess they just kind of wanted a twist to it. They want to change things up, you know? Because mm -hmm. like, from what I know, like even though like I haven't really finished Hill House mm -hmm. yet, from what I know, um, Hill House is more like, oh yeah, it's like ghost theme and it's more like heavily based on the horror, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I think but with Bly Manor, Mike Flanagan wanted to focus more on the plot. It was just yeah, I get that. But watching the first and second episode, I mean, it's really early on in the series, right? I didn't really know what to expect, so I was just sitting there paying attention to. It every single thing on but screen. But it's good to be like alert about what you like mm -hmm. what you're looking for. You mm -hmm. know? That's that's like a really good thing. Cuz I think like it's really important especially like since you you've come from like the first series mm -hmm. to into the second series. Yeah. Where you're like you're kind of like knowing what you want to expect but then then again also kind of being like wait, I expected this but you got another thing. Yeah. So. But yeah, further into the series like I didn't see any lingering ghosts in the background. I wouldn't say that I was disappointed. I was just like, huh, so they're not using this approach. But I noticed that the way, um, who is the cinematographer that you um, said? There's two, there's one like, I forgot his yeah. name, I can't remember, but the other one's like James. I don't really know who worked on the uh, very, oh, first, very first episodes, but there was this one scene where um, Danny was supposed to be tucking Miles into bed, uh -huh. and then they had this really weird conversation. I don't remember what it was about, but there was a shot of Danny where she was standing in front of Flora's room, and to me, the way the way they framed and the way they used the focus on that scene 
really caught my eye because it seemed as if Danny wasn't part of these children's worlds. Oh my god, I actually noticed it. Yeah. Right? Was it, was it the one with Flora in the back kind of playing with her dollhouse? Yes. And it was kind of like this it was, it two, was, it, yeah. two it was things as that if, are very different from Exactly. It was as if they were in different worlds. Flora was just in her own world. It's super focused on Flora. Yeah. And then with Danny... It was kind of like Danny was like there but not actually yeah there. it was like she was photoshopped into the screen uh-huh. it was like a really bad photoshop and i was like <laughs> oh my god i paused <laughs> i paused that scene and i was like what is going on why does it look and like the this thing was like i mean just to get a move on because we're like 12 minutes in mm-hmm. but um like another thing that i noticed is that like um james was talking about how at first, like at the show, he, uh, they used like really, really static, symmetrical camera positions. And then throughout the season, like throughout uh, as the season progresses, mm-hmm. like the f- episodes progresses, they changed it up a bit and um, went with like a more fluid and more movement approach, mm-hmm. which which kind of got me to a point where like uh, one of my um, professors said that um, filmmaking is very. It's it's a I mean not not filmmaking film viewing like watching films is very like passive, mm-hmm. and so you gotta make it more engaging for your viewers. Mm-hmm. And the way you make it more engaging is by adding more angles or movements, or like more movements that are from the characters, and also helped by cameras. Mm-hmm. So I like get that. Mm-hmm. so like I think that is an interesting like um, there's an interesting thing because like. Um, I noticed in one of the greenhouse scenes where Danny was bringing a cup of coffee, a uh, coffee, mm-hmm. coffee. I mean, I got mixed up with Bahasa, but yeah, <laughs> coffee, uh, coffee to Jamie. Jamie, and then the camera kind of moves from the flower to them, like on the yeah, side, yeah, and yeah, moves yeah. like it pans to the side. I noticed that, yeah. So I think we're running out of time for the look segment because, you know, yeah, with movies, with movies, it's not just about how pretty it is or how it looks. It's also about the story. That's why you stay for a movie, right? So yeah, we're, we're moving we're on putting to a lot of time yeah. on the plot just so to get dive on. into like <laughs> dissecting the characters mm-hmm. and moving on to our second segment, the plot. Plot and characters. Plot and characters. Because sometimes it's hard to distinguish between plot and characters. You get what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. sometimes characters push the plot forward. Really depends. For Bly Manor, what do you think? I think I think it's the characters that push the story I forward. think the same, too. Because I think, like, without these characters, there wouldn't even be a plot. Yeah, it's not, it's not much of a plot, in my opinion, when it comes to Bly Manor. It's very character-driven. Just like how it is in Hill House, you know? And I think that is the beauty of it when you think about it. Because, like, if it's only the plot with these, like, shallow characters, mm-hmm. there wouldn't even be this talk with analyzing the films yeah, itself. Really? That's what makes the characters, like, really deep mm-hmm. and, like, um, have so many layers and more human. Kudos to the writers. Honestly, they did a really great job with the way they created these characters. Because even the most annoying and the most hateable characters have death to them. Let's call him out. Let's call him Peter. out. Peter. Peter. <laughs> Screw Peter. Fuck Peter. <laughs> He's such an asshole. I hate oh Peter so much. I hate Peter so much. But that's when you know the writers did a really good job because when oh, you hate the character oh my and when mama, you hate I hate Peter. Dude, when you hate the character as and you hate the actor, that means the actor did a fucking good job. <laughs> he did a really good job. 
But yeah, like, um, let's talk a bit about, like, um, Viola and Perdita's relationship. The start of everything that goes on in Bly Manor, right? So, Amanda, you go first, because I know that we talked a little bit about this before <laughs> but we uh, had, the we podcast. We had kind of, like, a disagreement, but yeah. we kept it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, okay, so, I think both Viola and Perdita, they're, they're both... Um, is the name Perdita or Perdita? Perdita. I don't know. Okay, Perdita. Whatever. Uh-huh. But like their their um sibling relationship is so weird in my opinion. Like it's just they're both very selfish for different reasons in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. like I don't think any of them are right in like I don't think Viola is right and I don't think Perdita's Perdita's right. Like I think they're both selfish and mm-hmm. I think they have. That's just what makes them more human, you know. They're like they have their own needs, mm-hmm. and they're they're trying to like get it across. Like they're trying to get what they want, but at the same time, like not being able to, and then ending up in this gravity well because of Viola, but also because of Perdita. So it's like kind of like a mix of both, in my opinion. So what I think about Viola and Perdita is that Viola is driven and overly ambitious but I wouldn't say that she's selfish I'm only gonna say that she's ambitious Perdita on the other hand she was the selfish one Ooh, that's what I that's think that's interesting because I think of different things because look you a lot of viewers might think that Perdita was driven by Viola to kill her sister because Viola was being an asshole um, you know when, when, when she was sick but dude she, she was sick, man. She was, like, coughing up blood. Every sick person sort of has a past to be an asshole because their whole body is hurting. And if Viola's, like, suffering, like, Perdita chose to stay in that manner and take care of her sister. But you at gotta, the same time, like, but at the same time, just to, like, give an insight, it's also, like, Viola knows she's at the brink of death. And, like, she knows that. Like, she knows mm-hmm. that herself. And she just can't accept it. And at, at some point, you have to accept it. And that's the most... Isn't that the most <clears throat> human characteristic ever? For, for, for a human to, to sort of fear death, reject death up yeah, to the very end. Yeah, but at the end. same time, I'm, I'm like... I'm annoyed at her because I'm like, yo, you're about to die, man. Like, just give it up. To me, that's the most Move human on. thing ever. I don't blame Viola for rejecting death that much because you don't know what comes after. Not it's it's not an easy thing. But then so finally you're accept that you're going about to die. It, the people around you are also affected when you're sick. So it's not only you. So for her to like be that bitchy to Perdita Dude. is like kind of an asshole move in my opinion. It's not, like not a lot of people can have that kind of capacity to care about the people around them while at the same time experiencing excruciating pain 24-7. But Viola's, um, like, looking out for her kid and wanting to be there all the time is kind of possessive in a way. Like, she didn't want to let it go even even after death, which is what caused her to stay in, at Bly Manor. In w- what aspect? She, you, you need to think about it this way. Viola didn't get a lot of time with her daughter. She didn't, yeah. She didn't get a lot of time with her daughter. And... Viola was already portrayed as, you know, if only she wasn't sick, she would have been an excellent mother. She loved her daughter so much. Her daughter was everything to her. And to be separated from her daughter because she was sick, that's, that's just a tragedy. So I understand where Viola is coming from. 
and for Perdita to go against her her sister's like last okay. will and okay, testament. That, that oh one, my I god! Disagreed with Perdita. I disagree with it too. I agree with you on that because I think like okay, your sister just died, and now you're opening her ch- like chest. Dude, for, not just like, that. Dresses. Like you literally married your sister's ex-husband, <laughs> Perdita. Come. <laughs> you can do better. Oh, you know, you're pretty enough. Find like, someone else. Yeah, dude. All these years, you like all these years. Perdita decides to cling inside the manor and not find a husband or something. I mean, Viola came. At least Viola came up with a plan. Found a distant <laughs> cousin to marry. Why couldn't Perdita do the same? I think Perdita. Perdita could, but she didn't want to because she's hung up on her sister's husband. Perdita, come on, get your shit together, please, honey. Find someone oh else. My okay, God. Arthur is not even that good looking. Yeah. <laughs> like, Honestly. okay, Perdita is so much hotter than him. So she could <laughs> she could find like some rich husband who's gonna be like so much hotter. Perdita could have done so much. Like right? if if you're gonna tell me that, oh my god, the reason why Perdita didn't marry is because she wanted to be there for Viola. That's bullshit. You know what? Like, she could have gotten married and should, been there for Viola. She could have gotten a like a hotter actor for Arthur. <laughs> or they could have made Perdita. Dita's character, like the actress playing her, more like less good looking. Oh, we can't be like that. We're we're gonna catch a case if we say shit like that. <laughs> okay, but that's just like not not my opinion of my opinion. It's more just like me saying it, you know, just because. But you know. Even um, e- even as we're speaking like this, we're not saying that either Viola or Perdita were bad characters, they, you know. They're very human. They're very human. Saying. It's like, what makes it lovable? Like, what makes these characters lovable is because we can't say they, they do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Or there's like one right and one wrong. There's no great black and white. Yeah, this. every single action they <clears throat> take is the most humane thing you can ever think of. I'm just more on Viola's boat. <laughs> no. I'm not on any anyone's <laughs> boat. I just don't have much thought on them. It's I, like, okay, it is like, um, it is a sibling relationship. You know, like there's always one above the other. Yeah, maybe, I'm not gonna like, lie to you and say that my relationship with my siblings is like hundred percent. Me God, neither. sometimes I hate them. It's I like choke them. Sometimes if I could. you're <laughs> no, sometimes I'm you're in you're in it together. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you're like, <laughs> sometimes get you want to murder each other. <laughs> but you know, that's just how it is. Um, let's get into um, Maz and Flora. God, I love the kids. Flora especially. I love them so much. So I love adorable. when she keeps on saying, perfectly, perfectly splendid. splendid. Oh my god. <laughs> so, so cute. Adorable. I hate kids, but... <laughs> They're like, Flora is the exception. Yeah, Flora. I don't really, really like Miles. He's... I'm okay with Miles. Flora though. Ma- Flora? I mean... Sometimes these kids can be creepy, but it's because of Peter and Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I what I didn't notice at first. Like, you know, one thing that I've always been asking ever since um, the series finished is every single time Flora says "perfectly splendid," do you think that she was being tucked away, or was it just something that, you know, how kids go monkey see monkey do? And she's like, "Oh my god, perfectly splendid." That that's such a nice thing. And then you know no, how I, I think Flora, it's Flora like I think it's Flora. adopts Rebecca's sort of personality. I don't think it's Rebecca. I don't think Rebecca would say that. Because, like, in my opinion, you know how kids would, like, say one, like, yeah, 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 one yeah. Monkey phrase, see, monkey do, like, you know? one phrase, and mm-hmm. they would, like, repeat it over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, I think that's kind of what she's doing. Oh, that's adorable. It is. But 
Let me tell you, every single time Flora went perfectly splendid, sort of, I sort of get like mini heart attacks because I'm like, oh my god, is this kid being tucked away right now? Like, oh my so. god. Because every time she's being tucked away, she always do things like walk out on her own and like things that she, like kids, wouldn't do. I'm just saying, Rebecca could have done a better job, you know, when she was possessing this little kid. Maybe act more natural. Come on, Rebecca. <laughs> also Peter, though. It's like, yo, you know you're in like a 10-year-old's body. Peter, you're so freaky. So like, freaky. A 10-year-old would never touch a woman that way. Yet also a uh, man, like a respectable God, is, man. That was a really creepy scene. I was like, oh my God. And, and when Miles was like like peeking when Danny was that changing was so the freaky. clothes. I was like, oh my God. That was the very first scene that really like turns. Oh my God. I thought that Miles was a pretty decent kid. I thought Ma- at first I thought Miles was creepy because of that. Yeah, immediately when that scene happened, where when, when Miles was like peeking on Danny when she was changing her clothes. Ugh. Jesus Christ! I was like, oh my God, this is another hormonal child. But yeah, Jesus. these kids are very lovable. I really love them so, so much. much. Like at first, before I was before I watched Bly Manor, like I was I was reading some spoilers on it because I'm that type of person. Don't hate me, but mm-hmm. I do read spoilers. <laughs> Because the first time I watched Blind Manor is because I was on Tumblr and I was seeing gifs of Jamie and Danny. <laughs> this, personali- th- this personality trait of Amanda is something that ticks me off because I do not like spoilers so, at yeah, all. I do read it and then I was like, wait, what, where was I? What was I talking about? You saw gifs oh, right. on Tumblr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was how I got into Blind Manor in the first place. But yeah, like I was talking with my friend about it and I was saying stuff like, hey, you know what? Like... For once, I want Danny to be selfish. Like, fuck Flora. But then now, like, after I watch this, I'm like, wow, don't do don't. that. Like, protect oh my god, Flora protect all Flora. Costs. Oh my god, yeah. So She deserves I, to be protected. So after watching it, it made me really cry so much. Like, I cried for 30 minutes long with this, like, huge-ass tissue box. Yeah, dude, I don't usually cry in movies. That series fucked me up. It did. Can I just say, though... The writers did not do Miles and Flora any justice yes. with the way their stories ended. But we'll ended. get into it more in, in the our end. third segment. Just because we want to wrap up on like mm-hmm. really stuff that we don't like, it's stuff that we like about mm-hmm. the film. I mean, not the film, I mean the series. But yeah. Um, so let's get into Hannah and Owen. Oh my God! They also they also didn't deserve that ending. They didn't, and oh my god, Hannah is so pure. Oh my god, like she's so nice, and she deserves to live. She deserved better. I love Hannah. (sighs) Hannah was my favorite character. I was just rooting for Hannah the minute she appeared on screen. I was like, this lady better not die. And then the disappointment that I faced in that one Hannah episode. The way I bawled was, I was like, are you kidding me? She's been dead this whole time. But you know, okay, the actress who played Hannah didn't even know that Hannah was a ghost the whole time. Seriously? So like, because she, she didn't want to like read like the episodes, like all the episodes. <gasps> oh so when, when like she reached, I think her, her Hannah's episode, she was like, whoa, Hannah is a ghost? Oh, immaculate. Just immaculate acting, immaculate writing. It's so realistic that Hannah is scared of death and she's like being in denial of it the whole time. Yeah. Let me just say that Hannah's story in particular, it was done really well. The whole tragedy aspect of it. To me, it was done a lot better than Danny or Jamie's story. I think it hurt a lot more 
experiencing yeah. Hannah's pain than Danny's. Because, okay, a lot of part of it is that, like, I think all these, like, these characters are all haunted by their past and mm-hmm. something that happened in the past and not necessarily like literally like Danny like um with the ex-fiance mm-hmm. Eddie like he wasn't literally there she was haunting herself right like yeah that's PTSD bro and then like with Hannah she's haunted by not being able to move on from her past relationship with her ex-husband Sam mm-hmm. and Sam left her for someone else mm-hmm. and like she let it. She let that stop her from moving on and having a relationship with Owen. Hannah deserves up better. to the very end. Oh, when oh she God. realized she should have done more when she's alive. <sighs> and it's also the same with Owen with his mom with uh, dementia, who has dementia. Let's talk Owen, about dementia and how he was yeah. like the future doesn't matter, the past doesn't matter. Yeah, because, like, kind of Owen, like, in a way, like, Owen. he's being dragged down in this gravity well in Bly. Like, at, Even at without Bly, dying, with, you know? Like, he just... By his mom. Because, like, his mom dragged him on to stay at Bly. So, and he's not, like, moving on from that. Like, he kept himself there. So, in a way, he is also haunted by his mom, like, having that... Again, having you dementia. know, um, the characters in Bly Manor, very humane. You, you find a lot of people in reality going through the same things that these characters go through. It's just that, you know, of course, um, Bly Manor's characters are, ha- have stories that are way more exaggerated than what we would go through in reality. But how many people out there actually have sick family members who they have to care for? And in the end, they have to put their dreams and ambitions mm-hmm. on hold for these family members. And at the end, like, all these characters, they all have their demons, quote, quote, demons, mm-hmm. like, not actual demons, but, like, stuff that they carry from the past. Mm-hmm. And also, like, stuff that they're dealing with, which automatically makes them more believable characters than just, like, other characters in usual horror films. You know what I, yeah, what I loved about Owen's story the most is that the min, the moment where he's able to let go is when his mother dies. There literally isn't, there, there wasn't any hint of Owen letting go of his life before his mother died. Because he was just stuck there. He didn't feel like he had a choice. Like, he's his mom's He did. I feel like he he felt like he did have a choice, and he made the choice to stay for his mother. I guess it's also part of, like, him not being, you know, like, British-British, like, coming from, like, a white family background. Uh Uh-huh. Because you you know how, like, (laughs) in other cultures, like, filial piety, like, Mm -hmm. like, taking care of your elderly Mm -hmm. is very important, like, Mm -hmm. especially with us, like, Asian cultures. Yeah. Because, like, even without saying it, it's immediately there once you're born. Like, mm-hmm. you need to be taking care of your That's parents. That's basically, like, the whole purpose of our lives, you know. Why are... For Asian kids, why were we born? Literally to take care of our it's parents really when they grow old. It, it, it's, it, it's depressing. And, you know, it's not something that we strive to fight against. We've sort of just um, accepted yeah. our faith. And moved on. Owen did the same thing. I guess that's sort of quote unquote his tragedy, and the way and it, it was Hannah portrayed too. in such yeah. And losing Hannah, <sighs> Owen, he deserves so much better. Owen should have just like went up to Hannah and gone like, "Yo, uh, let's go, let's my date. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> let's go out. Let's go out to the pub. You know, like like what Danny said. Like let's go to the pub and you know you and me, 
have one night. Let's go. <laughs> one day at a time. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like all these tragedies. It just makes me so sad that these characters, like, I'm so, I'm, it makes me so sad that I'm so emotionally invested in these characters. It's ridiculous <laughs> how emotionally invested she is. And yeah, okay, let's talk about, um, finally, let's oh, talk about oh Danny. God. Let's talk about Danny. Not my favorite character. To be completely honest, oh like God. I said, I love Hannah. Okay, I, I did I did love Hannah too, but I think my favorite character is Jamie, mm -hmm. not Danny. But still, Danny is a great character. Danny's a great character. She was really well written. And okay, I, I'm going to talk a bit about comp het, like compulsory het, compulsory heterosexuality. Mm -hmm. So um, there's this idea that heterosexuality is assumed and enforced by a patriarchal society. This refers to the idea that heterosexuality can be adopted by people regardless of their personal sexual, like sexuality or something. Mm -hmm. But it's basically this idea that like, once we're born, we're enforced with these heterosexual ideas, oh, yeah, ideals, definitely. and like stereotypes set on us. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're a girl, you're automatically like, okay, you're you're gonna marry a guy, you're gonna have kids, whatever, all you that. Learn how to make ten thousand different types of sandwiches. Yeah, and like, I think it's like. Danny being haunted by this comp het, you know, mm -hmm. like like compulsory heterosexuality, mm -hmm. especially in the form of her ex fiance. Mm -hmm. Like her ex fiance is always behind her, kind of like um, showing, like reminding her of the compulsory heterosexuality that she had to abide and to obey by, like growing up in the Midwest. I see. Cause like. Um, I read a few articles, and uh -huh. uh, Danny is actually based on people that are from Iowa. Oh, okay. That's why she has the Midwest accent. She does? Wow, okay, I didn't notice that at all. So the way I saw how, you know, Edmund kept on quote-unquote haunting Danny, it's just, you know, Danny's guilt. I'm sorry for the... Background <laughs> construction, noise. construction background noise. We're outside and I don't know, like apparently in Jakarta, everyone's doing construction somehow. It just never stops. It's everywhere. But yeah, com uh, continue. Anyway, I did not analyze it that deep, you know, with the whole compulsory heterosexuality thing. I never thought about it that way. To me, Edmund quote unquote haunting Danny was just a form of Danny's guilt. It it's is, survivor's guilt. I guess guilt also comes in different ways. Like knowing that she's like carrying this, like what her family expects of her and what Eddie's family expects of mm -hmm. her, especially since they're, they've been so nice to mm -hmm, her. Mm -hmm. She, um, in a way, she kind of carried that even when she arrived in London and when yeah. she worked in yeah. Bly Manor. It just shows how difficult it is for you know, people to get over their traumas. And yeah, especially like accepting yourself as like someone who's not heterosexual. That's true. That's true, you're right. Hmm. So it's like both, a bit of both. Like like she is surviving, like she is going th she is bringing the burden of survivor's guilt, but at the same time she's also bringing the burden of accepting herself in a way. Maybe at that point she has accepted herself, you know, because she did come out to um, Edmund. But it's more like being comfortable but with who she, she is. Though? Did she explicitly say that, hey, I'm gay? She, no, never. Yeah, she did throughout so the whole she, series. She didn't come out to Edmund then. She only said she didn't want to get married to him. And he took it as if, uh, he took it as a meaning that she 
doesn't like him that way. Like she's not no, in love with him that way. No, to me it was really clear that it, to me it was really clear really? the way she said it. But she, she to but, me she came up. But she never explicitly say it. So you know how no, but the way the way Edmund reacted, it was you know so like people, excuse me, you're gay all this time. You know, like, you know how straight people are very like blind to it. Like I even guess. even with two girls holding hands and kissing, they're like, oh my god, like they're such good friends. No, but really, yeah, to me, to me, it was clear. Did. To me, the way I saw it, Edmund, Edmund, like knew. I don't think Edmund knew. I wouldn't say that Edmund was like in denial this whole time, but when but when Danny was in that car, that conversation, to me, Edmund, in the end, knows that Danny's gay or a lesbian. Oh, sorry. But yeah, like, um, I don't know. But that's kind of like what I was thinking, cause, cause usually straight people just don't realize. Cause <laughs> when I when I first was outed to my mom, like a bit of backstory, I was outed Ooh. to my mom mm-hmm. from my friend, and like I lived in a very like Christian slash Catholic kind of neighborhood, so it was such a big thing. Everyone was gossiping about mm-hmm. me. But that's another story that we could get into. <laughs> Um, so a bit about it is just like I've been dressing very masculine my whole life, and people just kept on assuming that you were. And straight. my mom, she's like, you know, if you were gay, I would have known since you were a kid. But that's your mom in denial. Oh no! Did she say this after like you were outed? No, before I was outed. Oh, see that that's like her in denial. Well, not in denial, more like her not seeing it because it's so normalized for girls to be tomboy. Oh, right, 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 right. And I like, it, I, I did have long hair. I had that phase, you know, where I was just wearing pants. How, oh, this Every- was worse. This was worse. <laughs> I was literally, I didn't want to wear dresses at all. I only want to wear shirts. Yeah, I didn't want to wear like dress shoes, just sneakers everywhere. And okay, I remember um, when in China, like Chinese New Year, uh-huh. I think like a few years ago when I was really little, um, she wanted to force me to wear chong sum, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to. And oh I God. instead... Instead, they bought me the male's version. Of oh, and the, you loved it. And I loved it. You loved it. I did. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's just like, it's totally, I'm just saying that it's totally blind to like straight people. Because I was talking to a straight friend recently, mm-hmm. and it's really rare for me to have straight friends. Let's just be honest. Like, we uh-huh. just don't vibe that way. Okay. Uh, but like, not vibe that way, but like, I just somehow don't really click with them mm-hmm. that way. Just because we have just really different views. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be friends with them, but I don't think we could ever be really, really close friends. Because mm-hmm. we just have very different views of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking to her, and we were talking about stuff that are different between same-sex relationships and straight relationships. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to her about all these stuff that same-sex relationships are like when you know how two women kind of like get into a relationship and then they break up it gets it's longer for us to move on Mm -hmm. just because i think there's more emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. in same-sex relationships and the idea that there's not a lot of people out there that it's not as easy for us uh, of compared to straight people Mm -hmm. just because straight people they can literally assume anyone's straight but when you're gay you can't really do that because that would be kind of an insult i guess to some straight people 90% 90% of the time, it's always an insult to the straights. And I don't get why it is an insult. Like, just accept that and move on. But that's what it is. And mm-hmm. it's scary. It's like the dating world is scary for, like, gay people, mm-hmm. especially. But, yeah, they don't get that. And I was talking to them about it. And 
it's just it just occurred to me like wow we have such different views of the world mm-hmm. and I guess that's what I'm trying to get at it's, it's just very different hmm I guess that's a really nice way to look at it you know um, Danny um, yeah, coming say, out or yeah, not coming out to Edmund a, in a bad way like <laughs> mm-hmm. like I don't I wouldn't say like oh just because you're straight you're thinking of this in a bad way but no mm-hmm. like I just mean we have very very different views of the world just because of like how we're raised and how we came to the conclusion that we're gay and then accepting it mm-hmm. and after that it was just like a blur <laughs> we don't know how we get here but we're just very different mm-hmm. and that's literally like the whole process that Danny's character had to go through yeah and it's it's crazy that the writers could like get it right I think they did a really good job you know um, with a lot of my uh, unconventional <laughs> friends <laughs> a lo- with a lot of my LGBT um, Q friends and peers when they tell me stories about you know um, what they have to go through just being content with who they are I think that Bly Manor with Danny's character about 90% really got it spot on. I think the, the struggle really, even though it's not that explicit, there were a few scenes where it really showed, you know, the turmoil that Danny feels deep inside. I, I get that, yeah. Um, oh, there's this really funny moment where I kind of noticed something. So when Danny was trapped in the closet, mm-hmm. she was haunted by Edmund on the mirror. Right? Oh my god, I and never she's, noticed that. And she's that. literally in the closet. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I never noticed that. That's amazing. <laughs> oh shit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. So yeah, but yeah, in conclusion, Danny is haunting herself, but also not only with the survivor's guilt, but also the comp head that we just talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's get to Jamie, my favorite character. Okay, <laughs> Jamie is so attractive, like, God. <laughs> okay, 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 let's focus on her character-wise. I don't have a lot of opinions regarding Jamie, because um, I felt like she, she was very... Um, she was built in a very support, su- supporting character that way. And also, I think... Um, they're trying to put a contrast between Jamie's character and Peter's character. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main thing that they're focusing on. So, like, yes, we do get a bit of backstory about Jamie, about her traumatic childhood, and we know that, like, um, she came from, like, a neglected childhood mm-hmm. with her parents. Like, just like Peter. Yeah, just like Peter. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, another thing that I want to talk about her is, like, um, she knows what she wants mm-hmm. definitely and like she doesn't give a shit uh, i love that alpha dog yeah and like <laughs> she like from early on like she made it very clear to danny that they're flirting like yeah yeah this yeah, is yeah, us yeah. flirting i love those kind of characters it's like you know how like usually girls flirting it's very you can't really tell the difference between because girls are just naturally you know more intimate with each other yeah and Every time I flirt with girls, like, I just never know, is this a thing? Like, are we friends? Or are we, like, friends that kiss? I like how Jamie just went to the point and just, you know, she just solved everything for Danny, like... Yeah, she just, like, put it on, like, straight, like... This is a thing. I'm doing a thing. This is us being a thing. (laughs) Honestly, such an Aquarius, though. Like, I'm closed off. I'm different. My God, she is such an Aquarius. If Mike Flanagan listens to this, you know, could you, like... 
um, tell us. Confirm. Confirm whether or not she's an Aquarius. Aquarius. But like, <laughs> moon cancer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and rising Scorpio. Oh my god, I can see that, yeah. Right? Right. Anyway, come on. <laughs> we gotta focus. Moving on. But yeah, like, um, let's get into... Um, Rebecca, uh, and then no, 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 we'll, you we'll, know. Ta- we'll come to uh, Jamie and Peter first. Oh, okay. Just so, like, there's some... Like, like, save the worst for last. God, I hate Peter. Peter. <laughs> you mentioned this in our conversation a few days ago. How, you know, Peter, Peter and Rebecca and Danny and Jamie. How these four people's relationships are basically like a mirror of each other. It is, it is. And it's how like, Peter Peter and Jamie are literally like I do two wrote, sides of the same coin. I wrote some things, like, I'm not, when I mean some things, like, literally a whole paragraph. Let's try to keep this <laughs> as side you know, by compact side, as possible. Side by side analysis <laughs> of like Jamie and Peter's like um, contrasting, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like relationship wise and also personality wise. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> they do come from backgrounds of child abuse, abandonment, and basically kind of the same upbringing. Mm-hmm. Like they just had a really shitty family. It's a very potato potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, but Jamie tries. The difference is that Jamie tries to be a good person, and she does not let her past define how she lives now. And she li- She lives. She chose. She chose to live this quote quote boring life that she said boring, mm-hmm. where she is in control and she's very aware mm-hmm. of what she's doing and how she's treating people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a bit of a bit of it, I think, is also because she mentioned she uh, she met with a psychologist, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of made her more self-aware of her actions. Therapy helps you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to therapy if you have issues. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just, just saying. Just go. It will, it will help. It will. Help. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like she said that, and I think that kind of made her more self-aware about her actions and how she treats people. Because mm-hmm. with Peter, I don't think he has that. I don't. Because also, again, I think there's a lot of, like, toxic masculinity, like, surrounding men, um, especially oh, with Peter. Definitely. Like, about how, oh, you shouldn't go to therapy because, you know, you need to be a strong man. Was just, that like, explicitly mentioned in the I series? I did not I pay attention to I that. I don't think it was explicitly mentioned. I, but it's, I just, think, it's just really clear that Peter did just, not go to therapy. I think it's just a thing, though. Because, like, you know how, like, people are always saying, oh, you got to just stick it up and, you know, like, live through it. You'll get through it. And But then I think that's what Pete, Peter lives by. He's just like... You know, I'm. I need to get through this, but I'm on this journey by myself, not really with help. Hmm. And like, um, Peter lets his abuse and trauma overwhelm him, and makes him like become a person who gaslights and manipulates people who he loves. I guess that's where <clears throat> that's where Peter fails and Jamie succeeds. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, in a lot of ways. Um, you know that saying apple doesn't fall far from the tree uh-huh no matter no matter you know no matter how much we deny it we always adopt a certain like certain personality traits from our parents yes peter it's, was just 100% his parents it's like we try so hard to stray like to stray away from like is it stray yeah stray away stray away from like our parents bad qualities we focus on it so much that we often forget that we we also inherit very neutral traits from our parents yeah it, it really just depends on you know who you want to be peter peter just thinks that he's different from his parents he's really not i think it's just like <coughs> it depends what you what kind of life you choose to live 
mm-hmm. it's, it depends what kind of person you want to be. Then, in your opinion, is Peter the way Peter is because of his upbringing, or you know, because looking at the way Jamie went through her life as well, do you think it's just because Peter is a shitty person to begin with? Um, I don't think anyone is born a shitty person, in my opinion. Like, then what changes? I think them? people make decisions that are shitty. Like Peter, he can he can choose to like be loving and not be manipulative or gaslighting Rebecca, but instead he chose that because he thinks that's just who he is. And I don't. That's think a parallel, you know. That's like a parallel. It's like. He's his mother's splitting image. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, he is. And he's his dad's splitting image. Yeah. Too. Could and he I have avoided that? He could, but I just think he just chooses not to somehow for some reason. Because he's just a shitty person. I just, you know, again, I, I just really do not like Peter. <laughs> but he was a good character, though. We can also talk about um, that they're both dating the au pair. <gasps> right. Like... Jamie's dating Danny and Peter's with Rebecca. Oh my god. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but yeah, that's that's where like it really comes into like a side by side like mirror to each other's relationship, Mm -hmm. where we see um um we see Danny and Jamie talk about possession and love, and -hmm. about how love and possession are very different things. Yeah, and And then Peter and literally. Freaking Peter just literally possessed Becca. Yeah. And killed her off to be together. I was screaming in that scene. I was screaming at my laptop screen like, oh my god, Peter! (laughs) Peter! Okay, just be honest, I don't think I could ever do that to someone I love. Like, I don't think I could ever do that. Like, you know, if you love someone, you let them go sometimes. Sometimes, like, love just isn't enough. Decent, decent people would never do that. I'm just saying, to anyone. Really, Peter ultimately Peter is an does not un- even after death. Yeah, Peter ultimately does not love Rebecca. Do you know what Peter loves? Peter loves himself. Yep, that is true. And Peter loves the idea of Rebecca. I guess ultimately Peter's goal is just you know self satisfaction. Mm-hmm. He's Grab going a to do. Pretty girlfriend. He's going to do whatever he needs to do to feel any any kind of you know small flicker of happiness just to keep him satisfied he doesn't care if rebecca gets hurt along the way it's so weird he just doesn't want to be lonely it's so weird toxic some of the most toxic shit ever yeah it all goes back to like what kind of person you choose to live like i mean you choose to be Mm -hmm. and what kind of life you want and yeah because ultimately i can just like say fuck this and start treating people like shit you could you can but but what, you're better what, than that. You choose to be better than that. What yeah. I mean, if I would choose to do that, you should have chosen to be better than that, Peter. Peter, if you hear this, <laughs> Peter's ghost in Bly Manor. Anyway, but yeah, I think enough about Jamie and Peter. There's actually this one more scene that I really want to talk about okay. that I think is important. Mm-hmm. So, did you remember that scene where um, Peter and Rebecca were on the or on the bed, like in in bed, mm-hmm. and then Rebecca kind of like wanted to go and and, t- and take care of like Flora or and Miles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Peter literally grabbed her by the arm and said no don't go did you remember you that are really yeah you you're the type of person to really read into these things you know to me it was just like uh, it wasn't a big thing to me and then, then compare uh, you know. that 
with the night that Danny asked mm-hmm. Jamie to stay. And how did she do it? I did not pay and attention. She did very respectfully and with consent. <laughs> she was she was going on about like there are other nights. Not huh. not today. Like you we can stay another night. Mm-hmm. And today you need to take care of Flora and Miles. Oh, that's beautiful. And like that just shows like what kind of person Peter and Jamie are. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. like Jamie chose to be loving and chose to be ultimately like fully respect Danny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas Peter is like the shithead going like <laughs> whatever I don't care what you do I'm gonna yeah, like yeah. tell you that you can succeed and have this, all this ambition but then also like you need to follow my orders such an asshole move such an asshole just in general okay then we can talk about what the fuck Peter is thinking about possessing Flora and Miles <laughs> he's a pedophile you guys that just did not make sense to me like what was the purpose of him possessing two kids <laughs> Like, okay. They're, okay, they're also related. Okay, they're, they're half, half. Like they're, they're related, they have the still, same mother. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, so after you possess, like, they expect Miles to grow and old Flora, together, and then when they're like 17, like, like brother and like, sister fuck fucking? each other? That makes no sense, bro. I don't understand. I don't know if this is because the writers just didn't think, like, through about this aspect of the story. Or they just wanted to make Peter seem Peter and Rebecca seem like really creepy people. I can't believe Rebecca also <laughs> wanted to go through with it. Okay, Rebecca. even after Peter killed him, she's still like she's still, she's not mad at him. Oh, what like, a pushover! <laughs> like God, God, I would have like pushed Peter and said like fuck you, stay away Bro, from me. Bro, I would have hel- I would have called the priest, and then like <laughs> have like an exorcism or some shit, like a cleansing, and have the priest throw holy water at Peter. Yeah, bro. <laughs> like, if I was bent, I'd be like, Peter's, Peter's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think the life. <laughs> Becca, you're such a pushover. I'm not saying that Becca is like a bad character. Oh my God. I just choked on my saliva. <laughs> Becca was a, as much as like, as flawed as Becca is, she was a really well-written character. I feel like she did redeem herself at the first, Again. Last, last, the last episode. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Very humane. Very human, you know? When she kind of like looked at Flora and she was just that like, was beautiful. she knows that she can't do anything else to help Flora and this is Flora's last second That was live. beautiful. So she was like, let just me like, in and I'll me, feel the pain for yeah, you. Like, <laughs> I let, started bawling. Let me tuck you in one last time. Oh my god. Beautiful. Beautiful. She was, I feel like she was ready to be taking care of Flora after Flora dies. Yeah. I feel like she was ready. I think like that was her turning point where she's like, Fuck everyone else. Yeah. I'm going to take care of Flora. Because that's like, yeah. that's the last thing I can do for Flora. As much as a pushover that Becca is, ultimately, she's still I, I feel like she's still a wonderful person deep inside. She, she's just, just, she was just really stupid. She should just like listen to Hannah and stay away from yeah, bro, Peter. Come on, Becca. Like after the incident with like Owen, the batter, the batter incident. That was so weird. <laughs> It was just a batter thing. Oh God, God Peter. Batter. Really? That wasn't like a red flag for you, Becca? You can do so much better. Bro, let's talk a bit about Henry. Oh, the uncle. Mm-hmm. I'm neutral towards him. Like, I feel I like feel he's like, done a lot of shitty I, things I, I, in yeah, his I life. I don't but really think much about him, but also, like, I think he did, oh, in the end, like, at the end, redeem himself. Yeah, sort of, he sort of redeemed himself. Like, I mean, I didn't have any strong feelings I know towards he, his he character. He is anyway. also surviving, like, with, like, survivor's guilt. Yeah, and I love that. I love how, like, he did something really shitty, but 
it really shows how it showed how, that how he's guilty he is. But then it showed how how he's a nice person. Yeah, how much it affects him because, because at least like, he feels guilty. If if that affected him that much that on like going on all these years after like they're like her I mean his yeah. brother and his that means at least death, he, at least like, he knows that what he did was a bad thing for him to feel that much guilt. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we've gotten to the end of the second segment. <laughs> that was a really long segment. <gasps> but We're that was the best segment <laughs> for me, I guess. We're um, finally at our third and last segment. Ending, ending. and conclusion. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, we're going to talk a bit about the ending. And we're going to talk a bit about whether or not we feel that it's satisfying. Because I think a lot of people really overlook a movie's ending. The, the way people... Ultimately, come, I feel like endings ultimately decide... Uh, I mean, makes you decide whether the film is good or bad. Yeah. The conclusion of a story is so very important. You want to make... Even though it's not satisfying, a conclusion can still be good. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, the way you execute it, the way you write it, it's really important. So, in terms of Blind Manor's ending, what are your thoughts? My thoughts... Wait, I'm gonna like collect my thoughts for like 30 seconds. Give me a second. Um, so I, I do really like the ending. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it is a satisfying ending for Danny and Jamie. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> ultimately, we have to realize that I, I, I came into this TV show like or series like thinking that the lesbian is just like the side plot. Yeah. And then watching it and going like crying my balls out and going like, oh my god, this is not a ghost story. It's, it's a, a love, love story. story. But yeah, like it, I think it is a satisfying ending because I feel like Jamie and Danny get to live like their life to the fullest, like both of them. And at some point, someone has to die, you know, mm-hmm, like even mm-hmm. like in like real life. So I don't. I think it's still a very real story where like maybe you lose someone to either chronic illnesses or mental illnesses in any way. But then they did get to live 13, 13 and fourteen years together, mm-hmm. and technically they are married, even though it's not you know legally binding or anything. Yeah, fuck legal shit. <laughs> but they are married. They're wives. Yeah, they are. And um, yeah, like, should we talk a bit about the bury your gaze trope? You want to talk about that? Maybe a bit of it. Because, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> I think it's really important for the LGBT community. Um, I think it's really important for the LGBT community, especially in shows or films. Because, like, uh, the, I'm just going to talk a bit what bury your gaze trope is. So, um, bury your gaze is a trope that, that, is, that came from the deaths of LGBTQ plus characters in shows or films. Mm-hmm. And how these characters are more expendable than their heterosexual counterparts. Mm-hmm. And, and a big example that has happened in the past few years uh, is the death of Lexa from The 100. So she was killed off in a very questionable manner. Mm-hmm. She was killed off in a random gun firing situation where she was Literally killed by from a, a stray bullet. Stray bullet. Like, we were all really mad. Just what was the point of it? There was no <laughs> point. And the whole time, they were just queer baiting us with the idea Oof. of Lexa and Clark being together. And in the end, after they had sex, they immediately killed Lexa off. <gasps> Literally the second after they had sex. Oh my god. So yeah, that's like, uh, that's what people are kind of like arguing about Bly Manor. Uh, if it's like Barry the Gay's trope or not. What do you think? Is it or I is it I personally think 
I like I do I do get I and, and I understand why people might mm-hmm. think that it's a barrier gay trope just because we don't really have a lot of um, lesbian stories mm-hmm. where the gays get to live a happy life in the end and like be together. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think they they both are such big characters in the, in the series. Mm-hmm. Like they're so important that they're what makes the story flows. Mm-hmm. Like without them there wouldn't even be the haunting of Bly Manor. So ultimately, even if they both die in the end of the story, it wouldn't be bury the gays. Yeah, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just because, uh, like, um, they're, so, they're, so, like, they're so important in this story. Because mm-hmm. this isn't even a story about the haunting of Bly Manor or the it's ghosts Danny of, Bly, and of Jamie. Bly Manor. It's about Danny and Jamie's relationship. Mm-hmm. It's about how Danny sacrificed this life that she could have had with Jamie to... Protect Jamie. Protect, because she protect knows. Jamie mm-hmm. and like, sacrifice herself for all these people that mm-hmm. live in Bly Manor. Yeah. So yeah, like that's my opinion. Like I, don't, I just don't think like it's. I don't think they're expendable. They're mm. the most important characters. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. The series. And sometimes, I don't. Know, I really like the idea of character deaths. This might seem controversial, but sometimes when a when 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 a character is killed off, it's important. Like to how the story goes, you know. There's a difference between Lex's death. And, their and Danny's death. death. And Danny's death. Because, yeah. like, Lex's death serves no purpose. Like, there, it serves no purpose to keep this, to propel the story forward. And Danny died to protect Jamie. But Danny died with, the pur- with a purpose. Yeah, to, to protect close, everyone around to, to, to close that chapter of everyone's lives, you know? And to help everyone move on from it. Yeah. Because without her, Flora would be dead and, like, everyone would be really sad. And Danny knows that if she didn't do what she did, she's going to regret it for, it was a like, beautiful all sacrifice. her life. Anyone else could have done it, but the fact that the writers decided that Danny would, 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 would do what she did, it was beautiful. To me, it was beautiful. And I think, like, um, yeah, like, I don't... The fact that they almost made it a heterosexual relationship... I don't think it would have worked. ...kind of baffles me. I don't think it would have worked. I don't think there's that much... I don't... Yeah, I don't think it would work either, because, like, I feel like... It would be such a different view of yeah, 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 these yeah. characters if mm-hmm. they were to be heterosexual. I it's wouldn't just say necessarily bad, but just a very different point of view. The fact that it's a homosexual relationship already gives extra... I, would, I don't, I don't want to say spice. It's more like there's more of a struggle to it. The fact that you know they're homosexuals in the 80s, it wasn't a thing back then. In fact, it was condemned. And the fact that they still went on with it, still live together like in an apartment, run run a flower shop together, it, it shows just... cottagecore, lesbians. <laughs> okay, punk, punk girlfriend, and pastel girlfriend. Oh my god! <laughs> and yeah. it it just really shows how much these um, two characters really love each other because the fact is they they are willing to go through all that scrutiny, all that hiding around just to be together. And in a heterosexual relationship, yeah, that certain aspect of struggle is not be there. there. Yeah. And like it's all it gives more depth and reasons for the characters to have these backgrounds. It makes it more dramatic. I, it may seem like what I'm saying is really downplaying the struggle of these characters, but it really does. 
the fact that they're homosexual adds more flair, adds more drama to the story. It is, That's it is. why it works. And we don't have that many lesbian stories yeah, where it's, it's, it's also great representation. The characters are as important as, the, as these characters. Because mm -hmm. the usual like stories that I've been like looking at, it's just like either like rom-coms or um, drama, mm. like drama stories, like mm -hmm. drama films, mm -hmm. like Put Your Blade on Fire, and Which was an amazing movie. By I the love way. that movie so much. Mm -hmm. But like, it's usually revolving around a love story. But yeah. the fact that this series focuses on that horror aspect—it's mm -hmm. it, more than just a love horror, story. It, it you know? sells that horror horror aspect instead of this love story aspect. Yeah. But in the end, it ultimately is a love story. Which is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I thought that the way they concluded the story was really good. But there was one thing that I just cannot get over. The fact that Miles oh, yeah. and Flora's just story just ended like that. I yes. feel like those two kids deserved better. I just did not like the way they abruptly ended the story that like way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't like, there's, there's no kick to it. It's, the it's fact that they just forget their lives in, like, in blind manner. Okay. What the hell? The fact, like, usually emotional memories have a great impact on you. And usually you remember it, whether you're a kid or not, you remember it all your, all your lives. And like the fact that Flora and Miles are eight and ten, they're not that young. They should remember some aspects. I, I know like, what my mother did when I was eight. If we're talking about real life <laughs> shit, they uh, would have remembered. Yeah. But I think it would have been a more satisfying ending if they they both remembered, and then this is and Flora's at Flora's like rehearsal wedding dinner, and then they're kind of like these characters, these main characters, kind of reminiscing their past at Bly Manor with other people kind of hearing out their story, thinking mm -hmm. that it's just a story. I guess it would have been better that way. It's just that, I don't know. I don't know if it's lazy writing or if there's really a reason behind, sorry. If there's really a reason behind why the writers decide to end Miles and Flora's story that way, but I really would have preferred it if it was, you know, ended in a different way. Because to me, it was really unsatisfying. Yeah, it, it everything finished, and then I and then you know, like it doesn't give justice to Miles and Flora's characters. Yeah, because like starting off the series, I get that the series evolved to become Danny and Jamie's story ultimately. But how it started was but they really us put a lot of they really Miles, put a lot of focus like on Miles there's and Flora. Just so much buildup with Flora and Miles' characters that it's not right to end it just like that. Yeah, and also because they were not supporting characters to me. Me neither. They drove the story, you know? They were such a big part of of the whole story and for their stories to end that way makes me sad. Super unsatisfying. I did not like it. I just I want to um, talk about a bit about um how the film ended with Danny's arm, like Danny's beautiful. hand on, behind Jamie, that the older really Jamie's touch. Like, yeah. And the fact that the narrator is older Jamie. Beautiful. I sort of suspected it like a few episodes in. I was like, I think the narrator is older Jamie. But also like, when you think about it, the first episode really, like the opening was Carla Gugino's character look like older Jamie looking like smiling when she's sleeping and then she woke up and she kind of immediately looks to the side where in the end uh, Danny's hand was I did not notice that I did not notice that so I was like shit so sh I think Jamie kind of knows at, at least, least. I mean maybe like subconsciously she knows that Danny's always Danny's there Danny's always there 
That's and beautiful. You know how like when you're sleeping, you sometimes don't notice stuff, but then like there's sometimes stuff like going on around you, and maybe mm-hmm. she felt that subconsciously. Yeah. Wow. Cries in gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. The whole series. Cries in gay. But yeah, like, um, Danny at the wedding could, like, Danny kind of showing up at the wedding behind Jamie could have made a great impact if Flora and Miles were to remember. Yeah, if they, you know, if if the writers decided to put that, if the writers decided to put that in, I feel like that would have been great. Some people would think that it's cliche, but I would have loved to see it. I would have loved it. Yeah. Because I feel like that would create a stronger bond with all these characters. Yeah. And because they did went through a, like, a lot of shit, yeah. you know? But yeah, that's so far, that's, that's all we have. And to wrap things up, uh, Manda, out of 10, what would you rate The Haunting of Bly Manor? I would give it an 8. Me too. I'd probably give it a 7.5. I'd give it an 8 just because I really... I focus more on like the plot of the mm-hmm. story and like and characters like I love good character like character writing mm-hmm. and I love I loved how the characters are what propels the story forward not the story itself yeah 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 I also like those kind of stories but maybe the reason why I'm giving Bly Manor 7.5 is because I had a lot of expectations for it after watching The Haunting of Hill House it's just very different yeah Blind Manor is a lot more low-key. It focuses a lot more on the relationships. And then with Hill House, you've got a lot of, you know, there are some jump scares, a lot of more creepy aspects to it. And with a series called The Haunting of blah, 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 I would have expected so much more supernatural aspects, so much more jump scares. Blind Manor did not have that, which is why I'm giving it a 7.5. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just have very different opinions about what yeah. we like and what we don't like. But so- overall... It's, it's a very really subje- great series. It's very subjective. Mm-hmm. Like, opinions are very subjective. Yeah. And I think um, what you're looking for and what I'm looking for are just very different. Yeah. I'll, yeah in the end, you know. But still, The Haunting of Bly Manor, we really Go recommend it. Go ahead and watch it. It's, it's on so Netflix. Good. It's great. It's a Props really great series. Props to my plan again. <laughs> also, I just, I just knew that the, the uh, actress who played Viola is Mike Flanagan's wife. I just knew that, too. It's amazing. It's really I cool. I love that. This really cool. Love that relationship. <laughs> Immaculate. Splendid. <laughs> Perfectly splendid. That wraps, <laughs> up our, our, that wraps up our podcast, this episode. Yeah, anyway, guys. That's the end of um, S. Champur's newscast first episode. We talked about the haunting of Bly Manor. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll see you in the next episode. And we'll see what movie or series we're going to be talking about next. Yeah, we'll figure it out first. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, see you. Bye.